OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Angel. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pogvin, and today we're going to welcome Sheehan. How are you today? I'm doing well, Jeffrey. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me today. Uh, we're really excited to, to dive in and learn a lot about where you come from and all the great things that you're doing in this ecosystem. So the best way for us to start is perhaps you can give us a little bit of a background from school-wise all the way up to BMO, all the great things that you've done, and then we'll dive into uh, one thing about you that nobody would know. Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, so uh, I'm... Uh, uh legally trained. So I'm a a lawyer by training. I've I've never uh, actually practiced law, but uh, I I have a law degree from University of Sydney. And and I think uh, that that legal background is is good for a lot of things. I think as investors, um, risk management and being uh, uh, relatively conservative always serves us well. And I think the legal training is a is a good foundation for for all of that. So that's uh, um, how I come at things from an educational perspective. Uh, my career I started uh, as a corporate governance research analyst at uh, a firm called Glass Lewis, which basically advises institutional investors on uh, corporate governance policies and and uh, how to manage uh, corporate governance issues in there. Uh, equities portfolios. So really involves a lot of breaking down companies, public companies on a very uh, granular level and identifying risks in their corporate governance structure. And, and uh, I think as, as investors, if we, uh, if we dig deep into to finding uh, corporate governance issues with uh, um, concerns about management and or, or uh, directors, uh, usually where there's uh there's issues with uh, corporate governance concerns. There are, there are deeper issues with the companies. And, and uh, a recent example of that in Canada could be, uh, could be Rogers. So that's an interesting one. Uh, from from uh, corporate governance, I went to BMO Nesbitt Burns in Toronto. I, uh, I worked as a portfolio manager there for approximately 10 years, um, managing uh, portfolios for both private high net worth and uh, institutional clients, and made the transition from BMO in uh, in the fall of 2019, and uh, I'm in the independent world currently. So I'm partnered with a firm called Tactics Asset Management, uh, based uh, headquartered in Montreal. I'm still in in Toronto here, and uh, two main lines of, of our business. We we do traditional um, long only North American equity portfolios. So we manage those portfolios, much as we did at BMO, where we're looking at. Uh, high quality North American equities. So if you think of uh, uh, the Canadian financials, the TDs, uh, the the um, traditional bricks and mortar Brookfields, uh, CN, CP Rails, uh, the Googles, the Bank of Americas, the Goldman Sachs, uh, those types of things. So very traditional, uh, high quality North American equities portfolios. Um, and uh, and then the other side of the business on more of the venture or early stage type of uh, investing, we uh, invest in early stage public and or private equity uh, companies. Uh, we are very sector agnostic. So uh, we've invested in anything from uh, mining to uh, FinTech to MedTech. Uh, we've done gaming. We've been pretty uh, broad based in terms of our, our, uh, our investing in, uh, in the early stage public and, and private space. And um, on, a, on a high level, that's, that's really what we're about. I think uh, uh, the, the risk management combined with a, a very healthy uh, entrepreneurial approach to things would be uh, where, we, where we fit into things. That's awesome. And I think this is um, really kind of key to the growth and opportunities that uh, happen in the early stage market. They eventually make their way to people like yourselves where if it's going to go public or even staying private, but getting into a lot of dollars that are going to be invested, there's a lot of work that goes in at the top. And I kind of want to look at it and say, well, there's all of this great work that happens at the top to go public. How much of that information can we learn from today that will help businesses at the early onset 
to kind of work their way through this a little bit easier so that when it does get up to these positions where they're IPOing or they are going public or staying off from being public, but going to be taking in hundreds of millions of dollars um, in uh, investment, what are the types of things that you look for? And you started off by talking to a little bit about this, which was your kind of earlier on in your profession, which was uh, risk management or risk mitigation. And I'm wondering if we can dive a little bit into that risk side, because a lot of the times, a lot of the questions that come from uh, early stage companies or startups is uh, they don't need to create boards. It's not needed. Uh, I don't need to have any of that right now. It's not helpful. Uh, it's only going to slow me down. And if I have all these people in there, I don't want to lose my company. Uh, I hear all these horror stories and you know, we try to mitigate that by saying, look, that's one in a billion. This is very rare. If you're going to run naked through town and uh, do all these crazy things, then maybe there might be a, a reason that you might get moved out of your company. But even then, it's probably pretty tough. But when you're looking at a risk assessment and you're looking at all of these angles in order to decide if this company is something that you want to invest in and put in a large um, dollar amount into these companies, what are you looking for? What are the things that really set either red flags or green flags, however you want to uh, put those together? Can you kind of dive into a bit of that for us? Sure, sure. Uh, I'll come at it from the standpoint of of maybe a, a founder from from the outset and and perhaps speak to some of the things that uh, that, that people should uh, be aware of early stages. And and so I mean, if as a, as an early stage uh, entrepreneur or, or or business person, uh, you you have a you have an idea and uh, and you have a. a a, a means to getting that to at the end of the day generating earnings and 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 therefore uh, value in your company and value for your for your shareholders at, at the end of it that's a that's a pretty you know simplistic process but we know that there there are uh, a lot of moving pieces in 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 there so to to break that down a little bit I would I would say very early stages. Um, you need to look at uh, at advisors or strategic advisors and and. Even if it's not in a formalized board structure or a structure where you look like a, a public company with with all the traditional uh, checks and balances that go in there, on a very basic level, find people that you trust and have uh, that relationship with that you can work with, uh, and 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 have that mutual trust that uh, they they will give advice and, and, and guidance in what is in the best interest of, of the company and, and help you along. The other thing I would say to people is get folks with diverse backgrounds. So if you're a, a technology specialist and you're very good at tech, um, just talk with someone and, and, and learn from someone who has a, a background in, in financials and, and, and get someone who understands uh, capital markets and understands what your uh, capital structure should look like, how you should raise funds, how you should structure things. Uh, speak with someone who has a legal background and understand just the very basics of, of, uh, of structuring your business and, and uh, how you should uh, allocate equity if that's a if that's a case if you're if you're bringing in advisors and compensating them with uh, with equity in your business understand the the longer term implications of how that works and and make sure you have a at least a, a, a good understanding of, of potential control issues going forward to your point about control over the over the business and and at the end of it if you're taking that entrepreneurial risk, uh, you, you're you're taking the risk. You've worked extremely hard for that. Um, the 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 shares should not just be granted to folks on, on a on a very uh, uh, don't don't go liberally handing out your shares for the sake of uh, for the sake of advice. Um, be very focused on on who you bring into that business in an, in an ownership capacity. So I would uh, I would advise people to. Uh, uh, first and foremost, bring in, in people that you trust and can work with long term. Um, bring in folks with a, a variety of backgrounds. So I mentioned legal and, and financial. Uh, if you're not a salesperson and, and some very technical people are not salespeople, uh, that's fine. But 
get someone who is that that that's a it's a fundamental uh, point for for any early stage company. You can have the best idea in the world and have flawless execution and be uh, completely focused on creating the best um, widget, as it were. If you can't sell that and get that out there, uh, it, it's it's not a business. Uh, it's it's an idea and it's it's not going to be profitable. So uh, those would be three areas that. I'm mentioning on a on a high level that uh, are, are 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 key um, key areas of focus. So these three areas, they really kind of help you propel your business forward. Start getting the right people, the right advisors, all kind of supporting that outcome that you're looking to grow. Is there a time where you would say, and again, going back to your the legal background and your risk factor risk background? When would you suggest that it's the best time to actually put together a, a board, even if it's a small board of three people? Uh, is there a recommendation around that side? And then I guess to really kind of propel the business forward as you start increasing revenues, you know, tens of millions, is there a goal that you should be shooting towards as a startup business? Where is there like a sweet spot that it's either an M&A process that can occur or where you decide you should go public? This goes back to that risk and governance again. And I'm kind of just trying to look for what are the targets that you want to shoot for as an early stage company? You know, start thinking about it when you hit this goal. Sure. Yeah. So so to your first point on on a board, uh, I, I would go back to my, my point on on folks that you that you trust that have a, a diverse skill set that can that can help you. And I think that uh, in a, as an informal structure as as trusted advisors, uh, to me, that's a day one thing where whether it's formalized or not, you should certainly have within your network uh, those folks that you talk with and and, uh, and 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 bounce ideas off of. So that's to me, that's a day one as a as a as a as at least, very least an informal structure. I would suggest after you have um, stepped beyond, uh, you know, call it friends and family types of of funding and and that bootstrap stage of funding. Uh, outside investors will start to want uh, a more formalized governance and or management structure. So I, I would suggest to to people when you're starting to look for either either equity or debt financing from outside investors, i.e., people that are completely uh, outside of your network and 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 investing purely as a uh, for a, a return on their investment. That's when you're looking at, uh, at at getting a more formalized structure because those investors will look for for that type of uh, that type of oversight. Uh, so that would be the, the the first point. In terms of revenue and and, uh, and 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 when or if someone should should go public and and all these types of liquidity events, um, that's a really really good question, Jeffrey. Because I think uh, and and you see. Very often, particularly in Canada, uh, the way the Canadian capital mar- markets operate, uh, companies go public very early on, and uh, particularly where you see this uh, uh, the 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 RTO race and and uh, and all of these uh, uh, shells that exist out there, and and uh, the um, uh, bankers and other promoters looking to to get people to to list and and uh, and uh, selling this as a as a great idea for early stage companies. I, I would really caution people early on, particularly in this country where uh, the the uh, there are so many of these shells. You you don't know. Uh, the quality of what you're getting into, oftentimes, you're, 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 you realize you're you're uh, you're you're coming into an existing capital structure with existing shareholders. Um, in many cases, you don't know what you're you're getting into. So, someone promoting a shell uh, as a as a as a founder, be be very conscious of what their incentives are with that. And uh, and 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 I think. Uh, and this doesn't go for all RTOs. That they can be a very successful way of of, uh, of going public. But when when someone approaches you with 
the uh, the the idea of of doing this process and and saying that they have this shell for you and that you can get this public listing, uh, just just step back a little bit and and question. Okay, what what is their interest in this? What is their shareholding in this structure? Uh, what are their fees looking like? And uh, and and who are these shareholders? Are they are they going to uh, are they going to see this uh, the, the the price of this uh, of this shell pop and 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 run? Because many cases that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, the other thing I would say to people is don't see a, a public listing, uh, whether in Canada or the United States, as as a as a as a be all end all. Uh, that that doesn't have to be the the uh, uh, the the ultimate goal for 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 some people. I would suggest that uh, for private companies, if you're able to attract capital uh, and uh, and have a good investor base, the the um, that's that's essentially what your invest equity investment is is uh, uh, from from public or, or or private markets is is what you're after as a as a as a founder. Um, you can often have a, a more closely held company uh, with people who understand the business model. They're not looking in, in most cases for uh, quarter to quarter uh, earnings results. They, they're understanding a, a longer term business cycle and, and uh, um, you, you sometimes can, can uh, uh, scale things without that shorter term pressure from, from, from public markets. Uh, in, in, in having said that, uh, if you get to a stage where it's looking like uh, a public listing is is the right way to go, uh, make sure that you you get good advice. And by good advice, I'm not talking about uh, just lawyers and investment bankers. Uh, talk with other founders who have gone through the process before. Uh, folks that have an inherent interest in uh, taking you public uh, and uh, and doing that structure. Are, are more than happy to uh, to give you advice because they're making uh, fees for doing so and, and are incentivized to do that. Um, that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. That's just to say, be, ca- be careful. Uh, talk with other founders who've done it before and, uh, and, and, and get their uh, stories on this because that to me is extremely valuable for people. I love it. And- Maybe um, and and maybe you can share it a little bit more about this liquidation period because I think there's always a little bit of an incentive for investors to push founders to sell. Uh, they get to that seven year itch, I guess, if you want to call it that, and they start pushing them to say, "Hey, maybe you should go public. Maybe you should open up some sort of liquidity event." And it always does tend to be an RTO or something where it is more public, so that the investors can trade their shares right away, get their money back because every investor is looking for some liquidation, especially if it's been seven years or 10 years or longer. Is there other ways that you can look at this instead of pushing that way? You mentioned private capital. There's obviously debt. What other vehicles are there out there that we can utilize or founders can start to investigate? Because that RTO might not be successful or the way you imagined it. And it's going to be a, a pump and dump because you've got seven years of investors just waiting, itching to get out. And that is not good for the business, especially if uh, optics on the optics side, but also on the capital side, you can't utilize those dollars if they're crashing and you're not able to buy it back. A hundred percent. No, that's that's a great, great point, Jeffrey. And, and I would say this, um, look at look at other strategic options. Um, talk to private equity. If, if you are a, a, a business in a niche sector, um, you manufacture, uh, take your pick, uh, consumer products. Um, for example, we're, we're working with a, a US-based company currently that uh, buys uh, successful e-commerce businesses. So uh, they will come into businesses that are doing between two and $20 million of, of revenue and um, write them a check. They, they will buy the business. Uh, they will roll it into their platform. They, in most cases, want to keep founders involved. So uh, you're you're participating in a bigger uh, 
network with your existing business. Uh, you uh, are able to obviously uh, compensate your early shareholders so they get a, a liquidity event, um, and uh, and you can uh, you can either participate with the new parent company or uh, do something else. So there are many of these aggregators that are sector specific and uh, and will come in, whether it's technology, whether it's industrial, um, uh, consumer, there, there are these, these firms that will come in and, uh, and acquire strategic businesses. And, and that's one way to get aligned with a, a, a larger entity uh, make your give your your early shareholders a, a their liquidity event, uh, get some cash for yourself, and and uh, either continue on or or go and and do something else. So that's that that would be one option I would uh, I would look at. Um, the other could be uh, a a uh, either a, a sell to a, um, a competitor or someone someone in the uh, in the space. Uh, so look at your competitive landscape, and if you uh, if you're getting to a point where you think uh, you, you want to, uh, to, uh, to to buy some shareholders out, maybe there's a, a, a competitor that wants to, uh, to make an acquisition. You can, you can go that way uh, or you can do the opposite. You can go and, and start buying others. And, and uh, there are many uh, debt financing of vehicles available to, to do things like that. Uh, you can there are various sources of capital where you can structure uh, different uh, different vehicles to, uh, to 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 strategically acquire in the process, then uh, leveraging that to, uh, uh, to 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 buy out shareholders that way. So that 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 could be an option. Um, so uh, you you have uh, you have that as well. So th those would be uh, you know a few examples of of ways to strategically. Um, uh, get get some shareholders uh, liquid as it as it were, and then uh, um, and then uh, do some do some other things. So the uh, it doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be a public uh, public exit. Agreed. Is there and and I'm not sure that we've had a couple of of companies that have, have gone this approach, and I'm curious to get your perspective when you're cleaning up the cap table and and getting the company ready for uh, private investment is you know if you're able to pull in say uh raise 20 million you need maybe 10 to operate and grow over the next 18 months that extra 10 is a buyout for the your um or a buyback for your original investors is that something that you see commonly happening where they're going in and you know kind of taking maybe one percent two percent or five percent of the earlier investors paying them out for that and using that as a way to kind of clean up the cap table, regain some value in the business so that when they do go for that private equity, they can show that they do have a really strong balance sheet. They can show that they've acquired um, a good portion of their business and then utilize those new dollars um, for strategic growth over the next uh, two to three years. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more to uh, you're, 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 you're accomplishing two things there. You're making your early shareholders uh, happy and hopefully a, Giving them a, a good return on their on their initial investment, and uh, to your point, making yourself an attractive, more attractive target with with a clean cap table and and uh, uh, a group of shareholders that uh, you know you you've got a, a cleaner, definitely a cleaner cap table. I think that's attractive for any uh, um, any PE. And on the again that cleaning up the cap table side of things, when you know, when a M&A transaction is going to occur, everybody's looking for positive cash flow. They're looking for uh, reduced debt. Are there other things that, you know, businesses can look at doing on that side of, of the table as well to figure out, you know, how do we clean this up? And, and maybe there's businesses out there that just focus on cleaning up companies before they uh, look at rolling and, and scaling into this larger size, maybe, you know, the 250 million and up. There's somewhere where you can bring in some consultants or something that will help clean that uh, whole business up and move it forward. Because I find that a lot of companies today, as they go into that five to seven year um, horizon, that you know things are pretty messy and it, it takes uh, a lot of time. And I think that a lot of time ends up burning a lot of money uh, for the business. So I, I kind of wonder if there's somewhere in there, because you mentioned like you've got secondary markets, you've got a lot of things that 
people are taking money off the table for you because they're taking their shares and they're selling them and making good cash off them and you're not. So I, I kind of think that there's got to be somewhere in here when that five to seven year window starts to come around on that horizon that you start looking at, okay, here's thing, three things that we need to do with our business. We need to one, clean up the cap table, two, buy out uh, 10% of all of our earlier investors. Three, we need to reduce our debt load, uh, clean all of that up. And uh, we need to bring in a real strategic partner that can put in a good, good growth capital. Um, is that something that you should be looking at? Because that's going to really put the wheels in motion for that. We'll call it the blitz scaling if we want to use uh, use that term, because then it's all about dumping money in, going into massive debt, but growing the sales and revenue lines by 100 times uh, month over month. So is that kind of a, a gameplay that's happening right now that is happening more often that you're seeing? Absolutely. I think uh, to, to get that uh, outside perspective and particularly around that, call it five to seven year mark, uh, quite often having someone that, that uh, hasn't been on the ground with you all the way through uh, and, and can bring a fresh perspective to it uh, can give you meaningful comparables to, to, to others in your, in your sector and, uh, and, and, and really I give you that um, uh, that that perspective to to move to the next level. Um, certainly, if you've gotten to 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 that scale that that you're talking about, you've obviously done a lot of things right and uh, have have been very successful in 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 getting that scale. If you do want to get to that next level and 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 make that 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 decision to to yourself and your and your other shareholders. Uh, then absolutely get get uh, that that uh, that outside perspective and and I would suggest that um, there are a, a, you know a lot of a very good uh, I would call them uh, boutique or or, or, or smaller um, uh, capital advisory um, in, slash investment banking corporate finance types of firms. With uh, with people who are, are more than happy to be compensated on a success basis, so if they're able to get you through to that uh, to that next level, um, their compensation is based on on their ability to uh, to execute. So, for example, if they're if if your goal is to become a, a Nasdaq listed company, and you can partner with a firm that will uh, guide you through that process and be compensated on. Um, on a on a success basis, i.e., they're they're able to get you to that listing and to that uh, capitalization level, then uh, then then that's a good model. The traditional model of of uh, extracting a, a monthly fee and and uh, and uh, retainers and things like that, uh, you you can often get away with, uh, from that model with uh, with some of these uh, boutique firms that. Uh, they're they're selective in who they partner with. They're often uh, longer term thinkers, and uh, and 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 they're getting stock, so they've got skin in the game with you. And uh, and they're they're getting paid is dependent on 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 that working out for everybody. So, uh, kind of two factors: one, you're not sitting there uh, paying out large fees to, uh, to 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 J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs. Nothing against the big firms, but uh, I, I'm you know looking kind of earlier stages with uh, with these companies and, and you can get great advice you're not you're not paying a, a, a monthly uh, uh, retainer fee etc you're uh, you're you're paying out some stock for for folks that are incentivized to uh, to uh, to grow that the other the other factor there is is they can be selective enough that uh, they're not going to partner with businesses that they don't see as is having a, a, a high potential return rate. So they're not just going to sit there and, and tell you what you want to hear. Uh, they're, they're going to, uh, they're going to make those, uh, those hard decisions and, and make sure that they're, they're making their money at the end of it as, uh, as well. Agreed. Is there on this M&A process, or I'm guessing you're probably stepping a little bit out of, out of the M&A side, but when these companies that are uh, going in for that, you know, the next three to five years of of really making this a successful business and bringing in the capital and doing all the right things to grow. They're getting faced with things today which weren't happening five, ten years ago from SPACs and 
um, ITOs and all of these different vehicles to expand into. Uh, RTO obviously is becoming more popular nowadays as well. But are these vehicles that are worth exploring or are they getting beaten up right now from all the things that we see and read of companies that are taking these shells over, they're getting obliterated on online and through the, uh, the markets. Um, and then it feels like it's a, a duping effect. Uh, I'm guessing that this is supposed to be a liquidation, but it seems like there's only maybe a few people that are winning off of them. So is it kind of stay leery of these things, walk away from them, just, focus on growing your business, focus on hitting your new targets and uh, don't worry about these, um, I guess, overnight success stories that are coming out on, on all of these different liquidation vehicles and uh, just stick to the traditional way of, uh, of growing it. Sure. Yeah. Now the, the, uh, the alphabet soup of liquidity events, I mean, SPACs, RTOs, et cetera. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, at the end of it, I think understand uh, and and again these structures can can work extremely well and, and have done for 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 many businesses. Be careful in in, in when you look at these things uh, in in understanding that they are inherently complicated. So that's that's one thing to remember. Uh, someone presenting this to you as as uh, you know the the straightforward most uh, efficient structure of of. Uh, of, of, of getting liquidity or going public. Look, these are, these are complicated structures. You have to understand uh, the, uh, the, the shareholders owning the, the, the paper as it were and the embedded fees involved uh, uh, with, with all of these things, performance fees, et cetera. They can often be extremely expensive ways of, of, uh, of getting that liquidity in 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 SPAC land, we've seen obviously uh, uh, just everyone and their brother creating these things uh, in the in the states. And, and when you actually dig down into the economics of this, uh, there are a lot of people getting paid before you do as a founder. Just just remember that. Uh, so I, I would say, at very least, look at traditional options if you are looking at going to public markets and you want to get that, uh, whether it's a NASDAQ or, or, a, or, or another big board listing in the States, or if it's uh, a TSXV or, or uh, uh, a CSC listing or, or other in Canada, uh, look, at the, look at the traditional routes. Um, direct, a direct listing can be a, a very good way to, to do things. It can be very clean. Uh, it can uh, it can often be uh, relatively quick, and uh, and you have in, in in most cases much better visibility about what you're getting into. So when I talk with with uh, uh, professional investors and and uh, and strategic advisors to to companies looking to to list. Um, very often, particularly recently, they're saying do a direct listing. That that is the the uh, um, the the most uh, um, uh, or sorry the, the cleanest way to 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 do it right now with uh, the fewest unknowns. And 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 I think that's that's something that that, that folks should really take a take a serious look at, um, as well as alternative spacs, et cetera. I like that. And, and I'm all about keeping things simple and clean. Totally agree with that. And, and I think sometimes founders get wound up into too many other obstacles and not paying attention to the bottom line uh, because it's being pushed by maybe the investors that just want to get paid out and they want the biggest payout they can get. And they don't care if the business at that point takes a, a beating or the founders don't get paid. They care about themselves. And I think the founder has to take a moment and think about him and herself because they're the ones that built this company. And they need to take a second and, and kind of really take in the information and decide what is the most valuable uh, outcome that's going to keep the business surviving and growing uh, versus everybody getting liquid and the company falling apart. So uh, it, it does take a lot out of everybody when it's in a public face because now you've got more scrutiny against the business as well. So if you are going to do something, keep it simple, keep it clean. And uh, the direct listing is, is pretty straightforward, and especially if the company's hitting the right numbers and it makes sense for the company to do that. And, and maybe that's more when a company's valued over the 
you know, 750 to a billion mark, maybe that's um, when you can start at least evaluating it. But until that point in time, uh, I think you should just keep working on scaling and building the business to uh, um, where it needs to be and not being worried about liquidation events all the time for your, uh, for your investors. Couldn't agree more, Jeffrey. And, and look, there, there are, are uh, it's a whole industry around uh, people in, in fancy boardrooms with uh, wearing expensive suits uh, and, and talking about uh, uh, big projections for you as a, as a, as an entrepreneur or a, or a business owner. And, and, uh, I, I think um, go in there knowing that you've you've created something very valuable, and uh, and 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 the fact is 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 that uh, uh, just be be conscious that the 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 group on the other side of the table uh, with the uh, the Bay Street or the Wall Street office and and uh, the expensive suit uh, look that those things have to be funded somehow, and and uh, their their advice is often colored by the fact that. Uh, They've got a, a very good financial incentive to uh, to to get that uh, liquidity event for you, and and uh, you know playing devil's advocate, you know sometimes their their interests are not what's what's best for you as a as an entrepreneur. So get get really good advice from someone you trust, and uh, and and ideally someone that's uh, uh, not uh, incentivized by one way or the other, or or. Uh, or collecting a large fee based on on your 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 decision. I think that's that's absolutely key. I love it. Well, we're gonna I, we have to ask, and we got to jump into this because you work in a lot of different spaces, you work in a lot of different verticals, understanding businesses from a very high level. But of course, uh, at the stages where they are thinking about going to this public side of things. Is there a lot of trends that are happening right now? Like, uh, you know, we could name impact investing is pretty, pretty big at this moment. Uh, you ask somebody if they want to invest and they'll say only if it's changing the world. And so a lot of people are shifting from oil and gas into, um, you know, anything green, anything that's going to be renewable. And even those terms are getting beat up and reset as well. So is there a couple of things that you can share that you're seeing on a trend line that, you know, maybe startups or even investors should start looking at because they're kind of uh, creeping up and they're, they're interesting and you guys are really diving into them as well. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I think that uh, particularly you, you look at the world in the last, uh, you know, call it two years. And, and I think a lot of broader trends that were already happening have been, uh, have been accelerating. And, and I think that's pretty, pretty obvious to, to most people. So a, a very simple one, I, I know I, I published uh a, a note uh, back in uh, in April of 2020, and uh, and, and I said, look, you know, at, at the time I, I was saying this is unprecedented. We don't know uh, how long this is going to go or how this is going to end, um, but uh, the the uh, acceleration and, and adoption of technology is going to uh, increase massively throughout this period. So. Uh, at the time, I was talking about uh, about SaaS software as a service. I was talking about uh, digitization of of uh, called analog industries and uh, and and adoption of te technology to to uh, to create efficiencies and and uh, that that really was. Uh, the the right uh, idea at the at the time and I think is is a continuing trend uh, applying technology to, uh, to 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 old um, problems is is uh, is is going to persist and there are still um, massive inefficiencies across things like supply chain uh, across things like financial services uh, you look at healthcare um, construction there are just Opportunities within uh, traditional industries for for uh, innovation and, and disruption through technology. Uh, anytime you uh, uh, go to a, a pharmacy and and uh, you have to fax something to your to your doctor's office, I always laugh at that as uh, you know an antiquated process. And and I think that's just a you know one very small step in uh, in that whole ecosystem. Uh, you look at uh, at supply chain. I think that's a that's a pretty obvious one to, to a lot of folks, and and the, the massive inefficiencies that we see there, and and, uh, and and using technology to create efficiencies across uh, across supply chains. I think is a is a is a very persistent um, 
trend that we will see uh, accelerate going forward. If we look at um, industrial, uh, I was speaking with uh, with a, uh, a founder uh, starting a, or early stages with a, uh, a business that partners with uh, with heavy industry, whether it be mining, pulp and paper, uh, energy services. Uh, any anything that uh, involves uh, offsite trades and, and various contractors, and um, the, the, this particular business provides a, a solution for digitization of uh, of the uh, workflows and and uh, from timesheets to materials, etc., and uh, and creates uh, upwards of twenty percent savings for uh, uh, for these industries with uh, with their contractors. So things like that, where you've got huge room for, for, for improvement. So that would be be one, uh, the, the whole digitization trend. To your point about uh, the, the environmental and, and focus on sustainability, um, again, it's it's uh, it's been talked about for a long time. We've uh, one trend that we've gotten behind is uh, the electrification of vehicles, and and if you look at uh, the fact that uh, a few years ago, uh, whether it's the the BMWs, Mercedes, um, Dimers of the world, um, to the the North American, the the GM, Ford, etc. These guys got caught incredibly flat-footed by by Elon Musk and the fact that uh, he just uh, completely lapped them on this trend and and uh, they were they were really uh, married to to old technology and it's a really interesting example of how a, an industry can get turned on its head so quickly by someone who's uh, you know a, a, a forward-thinking uh, you know generational uh, visionary and, and a guy like Musk and and uh, so I mean. The, uh, the 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 electrification of, uh, of vehicles globally that's that's happening we know that uh, so how can we be involved in that and uh, if we look at things you know you're not necessarily saying go buy uh, buy Tesla today but uh, if you're looking at that supply chain if you look at uh, the types of materials that electric vehicles need to, to use from battery metals to uh, more efficient alloys and composites and things like that uh, we invested um, about two years ago, in a, uh, a mining company that uh, that is uh, uh, pre-production in in manganese, which is a battery metal, and uh, if you look at the the supply demand going forward, uh, it, it, it's going to be uh, a huge uh, supply constriction on this stuff globally. There's there's just not going to be enough of this stuff, and uh, and uh, whether it's the uh, the traditional automakers or the Teslas of the world, they need it. So, um, yeah, the, the 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 digitization and the and the uh, the EV would be two. I would uh, I would highlight as uh, continuing. That's awesome, and and I like what how you phrased that or the way you looked at it was that you're looking at something to where it's going to go. You're not looking at where it is today. And I think a lot of visionaries have to see where the world is going what the trend is going to look like and is this going to be sticky enough that if I invest today, what would it look like in five years? Is it going to be scaling? Is it going to be high demand? And right now, as you mentioned, magnesium is a a pretty big um, requirement, cobalt, all of these different types of metals that are needed for the, the making of a car, making of a battery. That's something you can perceive as being high demand because the world is shifting to that. So I guess in throwing this out there for other startups or other uh, inventors or people that are looking to start something, it's looking at what the world is looking at right now and how heavy they're going to start investing into these areas. And if they do, that's where the innovation starts to happen because founders can jump into these spaces and start to analyze, well, am I too early? Am I right on time? Am I too late in building a company? in this space or this mine that's going to be building and growing magnesium or bringing that into the fold. So I think a lot of the mindset has to be really, where are we going to be in five years? And can I turn this company today uh, and be ready for the upside of when that's going to come through? Even if the industry changes over and finds another way to make batteries, can you shift at that time as well if need be? So there's a lot of elements that get tied into that, but I, I really like the fact that you guys, you know, three years ago, we're envisioning where this needs to be and how the market's going to go and keeping track of where Tesla is going to be. So now Tesla is the largest car manufacturer, not by sales volume, but by market share and where they're going with their cars and how they're being manufactured. They're building plants everywhere and they need product. 
So these mines are now going to start taking off because they're needed. So can startups look at their business model the same way and figure out how they fit into these trends? Absolutely. Yeah. To your, to your point, I think uh, being, uh, being forward thinking and entrepreneurial go, go very much together. You're, you're looking at um, figuring out new ways to, uh, to, to, to tackle uh, old, old problems and, and uh, Tesla to, to your point, I think is a, is a great example of that. And, and uh, you take a, a very well established and, and, uh, you know, multi-billion-dollar global industry. Uh, it, it it goes back to uh, organizational structure and culture at a place like uh, you talk about uh, Mercedes-Benz or, or BMW. And uh, I mean, the uh, if if you talk to to people in that industry, um, they they were adamant that. Uh, this this American guy didn't have a chance of uh, of touching their their offering and that uh, their uh, their advantage of uh, the internal combustion engine and technology that they had with that and and uh, I think you, you've got uh, a, a cultural layer on there where uh, you know we've been doing this for 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 a hundred years this way and and uh, you know no one's going to want a, a battery powered vehicle and it's uh, it's not cool and and uh, they're 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 always going to want a uh, internal uh, combustion engine on their Porsche or their their Audi, and and uh, uh, that's that's been shown to to not be the case at all. And now they're all trying to 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 catch that trend. So I think uh, it's it's uh, the world is is changing. I, I, I would say at this point in history, faster than it's ever changed. Uh, uh, things are are just happening so quickly and, and uh, access to information uh, through the internet and other sources is, uh, is, is, is more democratized and easier than it has been at any point in history. So it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating when you think about it. Uh, if you go back to uh, probably dating myself, but uh, in my, my early years as, a, as an undergraduate in university, uh, I had a, a, a dial, a, a landline telephone in my, my first year dorm room and a uh, a desktop PC that, that uh, you know, had uh, had sketchy uh, internet at the time, and and uh, you know, if if you uh, if you go to a, to a college campus today, um, you know, it's uh, these these uh, these kids are on a whole whole different level of of tech and and uh, their ability to to uh, to 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 learn and and and. Uh, and work together is just on a whole different scale from uh, what what we did not not too long ago. And and uh, if you if you go back to my parents' generation in in uh, in their university days, guess what? They were going to the library and, and uh, picking out books from the from the stacks and and uh, and, uh, and and submitting uh, paper essays under their professors doors and all that kind of, you know, it wasn't that different, but now you go from uh, the, 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 uh, the late nineties, two thousands to the, the 2020s. And, and uh, that's, that's a massively different world. I'm just, I'm using a specific example of uh, uh, university, but, but you, you look at the world uh, generally and how we do business. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's massively different. So to, to, uh, to come back to your point, I think, Entrepreneurs have uh, we're at a, a cool point in history where you can you can get on that and and uh, figure out ways to, um, to 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 do things more efficiently or, or to to do things better. And uh, one thing I, I'd say to people, uh, just as a, a general business sense of things, is is don't confuse a a good idea with a with a viable business. So if you're if you're looking to uh, to to make this a successful business. Um, Come at it from both angles. You don't need to uh, be the next Elon Musk. You just just find a, a, a disruptive corner that you can uh, that you can work in and, and and turn into a business, and then go from there. You don't need to um, you know necessarily go for the go for the moonshot uh, every time. Just just uh, create and build a build a viable business in 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 uh, one of these niches that exist. I love it. Just get out there and start something. It, 
it'll allow you to kind of work your way through to the next level. And, you know, maybe your first business might not be as great as your second or your third, but as long as you start, you'll, uh, you'll get addicted and you'll keep doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're going to kind of shift um, over a little bit here. So we're going to, uh, one last question before we dump, jump into the rapid fire questions. Uh, all right. Throughout all your time of working with startups and founders, uh, late stage companies, is there a story that really stands out on what it takes to be an entrepreneur for you? That's a, that's a really, really good uh, <laughs> fundamental question, isn't it? Um, I would say... Uh, in in terms of of uh, finding a, a um, I'll talk about I'll talk about a, a group I'm I'm currently working with and and uh, a group of um, they're American guys uh, one of one of them uh, the the core founders are, are American the company's it's a U.S. business um, there is a, a founder from Toronto here. So there's a, there's a Canadian connection that way. And these guys met about a decade ago at, uh, at Wharton business school. And, um, they went off their own ways after business school and started, uh, in, uh, some of them worked for, uh, for, for, for larger firms. So they went to, to, to Amazon, they went to, uh, Google. They, one of them worked for Ray Dalio at, uh, at Bridgewater, um, really smart people. They 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 went out in the world, and, and uh, most of them had a some sort of a technology angle with it. Um, and uh, and 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 then a few of them went out and, and started uh, started businesses, which they then successfully sold and and uh, um, came into it uh, with uh, I think a, a very diverse perspective from 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 uh, from where they started out at business school and uh, when these guys came together uh, they they looked at um, a uh, an industry and in this case it was uh, the e-commerce uh, industry and said you know what can we do here because we we have some experience with this we think that uh, it's very fragmented and uh, there are a couple of uh, incumbents that already work as uh, as aggregators of of uh, of, of uh, e-commerce businesses, so they had proof of concept with the fact that there were successful firms already doing this uh, as as uh, um, as as e-commerce aggregators. They the incumbents were using debt to finance these acquisitions, which was a new concept that 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 had now been been proven. And uh, and and these guys with their experience came together and said, you know what? We can uh, we can have a go at this, and so they uh, they started this this company, which uh, is a uh, is an e-commerce aggregator. They took their diversity of experience, so uh, with capital markets, with financial services, with technology, and uh, and and applied it uh, to this. They they got accepted at Y Combinator, which uh, uh, I'm sure many of you would uh, be familiar with. Uh, uh, of Airbnb and and many others that uh, that have that have come through that model, so they uh, they were able to to uh, to go through that process, and they would tell you learned a lot in in terms of structuring and and working with mentors through through Y Combinator, um, and and I think that's impressive in itself in that these guys who who'd been successful and done things before were were happy to go to this uh, this incubator and and. Uh, and buy into that model. They weren't saying, "Okay, we need to do it our way" or not at all. They they were happy to uh, to look at the the Y Combinator model because it's proven to work. So they they were able to to do that and and then and then uh, and and, um, and and learn from that. So um, that would be one one key factor for me is they they weren't uh, they weren't too proud to to go and learn from from others and take in new new ideas and, and ways of doing things. Second takeaway I would say is look they 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 brought together a group that had diverse skill sets and had done a bunch of other things that uh, that could apply to uh, to this business. So they they uh, they they made that uh, key decision there to uh, to work together. Uh, related to that is the fact they trusted each other. They went to school together. They 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 uh, you know known each other for 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 going for for beers at Wharton back in uh, in business school, and they had that level of trust that they. They could trust these guys, and, and uh, they they wanted to uh, they wanted to work together. So they had that. 
The other thing I would say is they they were strategic about what they were doing. They looked and said, okay, here's a here's a niche in the market. The the e-commerce marketplace is massively fragmented. You've got people in their garage selling five million bucks a year on Amazon. That's that's fragmented. We can we can do better than that. We can professionalize that industry and and roll these things up. So they didn't, you know, they didn't have to reinvent the world. They just had to go and and uh, figure out a structure to to to, to buy these things. Um, the uh, the the other thing they they did is uh, they they were um, very lenient structure. So they're they're not you know running around throwing around piles of money on advertising spend and all kinds of other things. They they're strategically uh, acquiring these businesses and rolling them in. So fast forward, um, they're what ten months a year into this. These guys are doing fifty million USD in uh, in revenue and uh, with twenty percent uh, margins on this. So it's a it's a real business. Um, they uh, they would tell you they have line of sight within the next twelve to eighteen months of uh, of five hundred million USD in in revenue, and um, they they just uh, they continue to uh, to improve their model as they go. So it's. Uh, uh, again, I think a good example of of uh, applying technology to a very simple uh, business model, which we all know is is producing something and selling it to uh, to, to to end customer. So it's you know they didn't have to uh, you know uh, go out and and uh, and and invent uh, uh, Tesla. You know they 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 took an old industry and applied some tech and applied some of their know how to it and. Uh, I think a good example in, in some basic principles that people should uh, uh, people can can uh, can follow. That's amazing and a great story for um, founders that you know they came together after uh, careers and looked at it and found a gap and went after. It. And I think with a little bit of strategic thinking and some strategy, you can really put together something that is incredibly and great. And it doesn't have to be reinventing the world. It needs to be filling a gap and fixing a problem and being able to generate revenue. And they're obviously proving all of those things. So uh, pretty impressive for a company that's only a year old. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's an interesting model for sure. Brilliant. Well, we're going to jump into our rapid fire questions. We're almost there. Uh, pick one or the other. Ready to roll? Let's do it. All right. Founder or co-founder? Co-founder. Unicorn or four-year 10x exit? Unicorn. Tech or CPG? Tech. Brand or tech? Tech. AI or blockchain? That's a good one. Blockchain. First-time founder or second or third-time founder? Probably second or third. Okay. First money in or Series A? Series A. Angel or VC? VC. Board seat or observer? Observer. Safe or convertible note? Safe. Lead or follow? Depends. Okay. Equity or interest payments? Equity. Favorite part of investing? New ideas. Number of inv companies invested per year? 10. You're above average. I love it. Preferred terms? <laughs> awesome. Any preferred terms? Quality. Okay, we'll take that as an answer. Uh, <laughs> verticals of focus? Technology, finance. Ooh. All right, it's right in our wheelhouse. I love it. Two things that make a startup stand out to you. People have to cash flow. Okay. All right, personal side, book or movie? Book. Superman or Batman? Superman. Pizza pop or ice cream bar? Ice cream bar. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Oh. Uh, Bezos. All right. Arsenal or Manchester United? Mm, Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, lost, they lost the Man U last night 3-2. It's terrible. Um, bike or rollerblades? 
bike. Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? Ooh, I'm gonna go McNuggets. Trophy or money? Uh, money. It sounds mean, doesn't it? Nope. Beer or wine? Beer. Alarm clock or mobile phone? Phone. Hotel or hostel? Hotel. King or rich? Oh, those mutually exclusive. I don't know. Uh, I'll take. I'm sure, some, I'm sure there's poor kings out there. Uh, concert or amusement park? Uh, concert. Fortune cookie or birthday cake? Birthday cake. TED Talk or book reading? TED Talk. Favorite sports team? I'll, I'll say the Leafs. They're, they're, they're having a good good run right now, so it's, it's fun to watch. Okay, we'll probably edit that part out just so that uh, this video will get processed through your company. They'll probably want to make sure that gets edited out, right? It may very um, well. <laughs> you could say, say like Team Canada or something like that. It'd be very Canadian of me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, favorite movie, and what character would you play in the movie? Oh, God. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Slapshot, I'll play Paul Newman's character. <laughs> Awesome. We haven't heard that one yet, but it's following the line of uh, hockey, so I like it. Favorite go. book? Favorite book? E. Fiction or non? Doesn't matter. Any Anything that pops in your mind is your favorite book. Hmm. Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. Haven't heard that in a while. Trying to be different. It's good. It's good. Uh, first brand that pops into your mind. Nike. Most famous person that pops into your mind? Bill Clinton. All right. What is your superpower? Creative thinking. I like it. Very cool. All right. Well, Sheehan, I'm going to say that uh, it was fantastic. I took lots of notes, as I always do. I'll show them, even though you can't see them. But big fan, thank you very much for giving us all that insight. I think it's going to be very helpful for a startup founder to better understand where they got to go and what things they need to do before they get there. Uh, there's lots of uh, innovation and tech out there, uh, figuring out your way to success. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it, was, uh, it was a pleasure. And thank you very much for sharing. And what we like to do and the way we like to end our show is we like to give you the last word. So anything that you want to share to an investor or to the startup community, we turn it over to you. But again, thank you very much for your time today. Absolutely. Well, first off, uh, thank you, Jeffrey, for for having us, and and uh, absolute pleasure. Really uh, great to great to chat and and uh, great questions. So much much appreciated. And uh, I, I would, uh, yeah, I, I suppose for for uh, folks uh, watching, um, if you're uh, if you're in that uh, space where you're you're starting a, a business or. or uh, operating business or, or thinking about uh, doing doing so. Um, remember, it's it, it's not easy if it were everyone would uh, would do it. So um, it's uh, I, I think for for all that people see perhaps uh, from the outside, it's uh, you know 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 yourself and and uh, know that uh, it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, a grind for people and and uh, uh, it's it it. Uh, it can be a, a very humbling, but also very rewarding experience uh, and uh, on both sides. So, so go into it, uh, knowing those, uh, those challenges. I think it's, uh, it's like everything. It's, um, you know, the, the risk reward is much different than, uh, than a lot of things. And uh, if you're a, a, you know, a career professional, you're a, a partner at a, a law firm or an accounting firm or, or whatever, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, the entrepreneurial side is, uh, is, is always there. And I think uh, seeing lots of people make successful transitions and, and, and do it, but just remember uh, it's uh, the, the, the challenge or risk reward is, uh, is there for a reason. And, and, uh, and having said that, those who, who do it uh, successfully and have done successfully, congratulations. It's, it's not, uh, it's not uh, an easy thing to do. And, and 
that's uh, that's that's what makes uh, makes uh, business work. What makes uh, makes uh, capitalism work. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's my my take on things. I love it. So get out there and just do it. Get after it's it. It's rewarding in the end. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much again. All right, Jeff. Thanks. Much appreciated. Sheehan, that was great. So, you know, the, from the trends in tech, you know, there's lots of stuff happening. And, and I loved his story about just with that early stage company and how these guys are just crushing it on the SaaS model. But as he, as he mentioned, uh, there's SaaS, there's supply chain, converting, digitizing old to new, uh, healthcare, um, even in the vehicle pl- uh, platform side of things. Uh, lots of lots of great things. And, you know, even when he talked about the governance and being able to set up a board of advisors and doing that relatively soon, right away, find some people that trust and believe in you and get that board set up uh, or get that advisory group set up right away at the beginning. And then as you start taking a dollar, start setting up those boards, but also start looking in the future, you know, in five to seven years, they're going to be figuring out how do I clean my business up and how do I go public or how do I uh, go to secondary markets. What are those angles? And I think those are important for businesses because, you know, five to seven years isn't a long time. So, uh, but regardless, uh, always look for great people on your team and ma- manage that cash flow. Uh, Sheehan, thank you very much again for all your time today. Fantastic insights. Um, so, thank you everybody for joining us. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and/or Stitcher. You can also check us out at supportersfund.com or for startup events, visit opn.ninja. Like us, share us, uh, comment, all those great things. But thank you again for all your time.